Go ahead and grab a seat and get your Bibles with me and go with me to, can you guess where we're going to study? <laughs> Psalm 23. We're going to be in Psalm 23. We're going to be spending some time in these next few weeks uh, just really breaking this psalm down and understanding it. It's an incredible psalm that David wrote and, and really excited as we, as we learn about what it means to find comfort whenever we have and experience chaos in our lives. And we all go through some kind of chaotic period in our lives. Some of you are in that right now. Some of you, maybe you came out of a period of chaos and, and it was everything within you just to get through that. And, and maybe some of you, you can kind of see just the storm that's on the horizon and you know that there's difficulties maybe that is, uh, is coming for you. Maybe, as I said a minute, a minute ago, that whenever the holidays kind of kick up for you, that is a time where, where it gets chaotic in your life or chaotic in your family. And I'm praying that you'll find a great source of comfort in this and that you'll be armed with God's word as it's hidden in your heart to know how to combat that. When you start feeling overwhelmed, and we all go through this, when you start feeling like you're overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, how do you get through that? How do you have that heart that hangs on? Well, one of the ways that we as your pastors want to help equip you find comfort in chaos is this, is we want to encourage you to join all of us together. We're going to do this as a church. Over the course of the next five weeks, as we study Psalm 23, we're also not just going to study it, we're going to seek to memorize this psalm together, okay? Some of you, you may already have it memorized, and we're happy for you, okay? And, uh, but you can pray for us as we seek to memorize these six verses, and, and we want to understand what it is that we're memorizing. We want to understand that whenever you're feeling overwhelmed and you can go to that place of, of, of this 23rd psalm, what does it mean? Okay, is it just this beautiful poetic uh, kind of song or poem that David wrote? Well, it certainly is a beautiful piece of scripture, and maybe you've got it as a piece of decor uh, hung up in your house and it's framed or whatever. Maybe you, you know, you've heard it recited at funerals, uh, you know, and, and you've never really thought about what it means. But we want you to understand this, but we also want you to hide it in your heart. There may be a time where you don't have God's word with you or you don't have access to it. Maybe this week as you're getting overwhelmed and you start feeling that sense of being overwhelmed, rather than those thoughts flooding and captivating your mind, you'll make a choice to go to the 23rd Psalm. One of the things we want to give you on your way out today, we had these made up for you. This is just a scripture memory card that we want every person, uh, man, woman, boy, uh, boy and girl, to take one on your way out. Keep it with you. Put it at your desk. Keep it in your pocket with you. When you start feeling overwhelmed and you start feeling kind of anxious about something or whatever it is that's bothering you, if you don't have it memorized yet, pull this thing out of your pocket and start going through this and start hiding God's word in your heart. And again, each week we're going to break down these verses and you're going to know what these verses mean. So when you start reciting them, you won't just kind of just mindlessly be just be chanting some prayer or some psalm. You're going to know what it means. And it's going to mean something to you. So on your way out, pick up one of these scripture memory cards. Uh, there'll be folks that will be at the doors that will be passing those out. And I just encourage you to pick one of those up as we seek to find comfort in the middle of whatever's chaos in our life. Whenever I was a kid, one of the things I would love to do when I would come home from school is I'd watch a little television before I'd go out and play. And uh, one of the shows that I loved to watch, there were always these reruns of the adventures, the great adventures of Superman. Did anybody else watch these reruns of this one right here? Okay, you remember that one? So, now, that's, that's way old for me, but let me say, they were running these reruns, okay? Some of you were around when they first came out, just saying, okay? And, 
not looking at anybody, but, uh, but when they first came out, but I, I was born in the 70s and so, but they were still running these and still playing these. And, and so I, I really enjoyed watching that show. I always loved Superman. In fact, one of the things I would do, my mom knows this, I would take a towel, I would put it around my back there. She'd take a safety pin, tie it on, and then I would pretend to fly around the house, and I was Superman with my towel, okay? And, uh, but I kind of feel like nowadays, and they're always remaking Superman, I kind of feel like with this Superman here, he looks a little like a weenie. Not that one, all right? He looks like a wimp, doesn't he? I kind of feel like we got cheated a little bit early on, because the Superman today, this is what they get, right? He's ripped. He's shredded, right? He looks a little bit juiced. I feel like I got cheated as a kid. But on one of those episodes, one of those episodes, I remember uh, watching Superman was flying, and he sees this building that's on fire. He would always, you know, swoop in and save people. That's what Superman did. Well, he was looking through the walls, as he could do with his ability to see through the walls, and uh, flying in, he sees a man that's in the fire. He's, he's in danger of death. Superman flies through there, flies through the window. He gets the man, puts him in his arms, takes off, rescues the man out of the flames. And then he's flying with the man, and he's going to be taking him home. But the man is still trembling there. He's scared. And Superman's like, why, why are you scared? You know, and I'm paraphrasing, okay? And why, why are you scared? Why are you terrified? And the guy says, I am afraid of heights. I'm, I'm terrified. I'm going to fall to my death. And Superman says something to the effect. I remember this. Something to the effect of, do you think that I have enough power to deliver you from the fire, but not enough power to see it that to it that you make it safely home. And I want you to think about that a little bit, right? I've got, enough, I've got enough power to get you out of the fire. I've got enough power to kind of rescue you initially, but do you really think I'm just going to drop you now that I've got you up here? Or am I going to see to it that you're safely home? And it's an interesting statement. Think about it with me for just a moment, okay? How many of us are, those of us that follow Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is our Savior, amen? Right, he has saved us, and we have trusted him to rescue us literally from the the flames of hell, the fires of hell, right? We've put our faith in Jesus Christ. He's rescued us from that, but if we're honest, we trust him with our eternity, but many times, if we're honest, we go through much of our lives living as if That's all he can rescue us from. That's all that he cares about is just rescuing us out of the fires of hell. But do you know this? That Jesus Christ wants to walk with you very closely and is fully capable of walking with you and taking care of you in the ins and outs of your everyday life. I want to not only give you life and eternal life, he said, I want you to have abundant life. I want you to live closely with me, right? And, and oftentimes we, we seem to, to, to trust him with our eternity that he will save us. And we think that that's all that he's interested in. But oftentimes we, we don't seem to have much confidence in him handling our problems right now. Therefore, we try to manage them. Therefore, we get overwhelmed. Therefore, we, we end up losing our peace and we lose our joy because we can't manage all the things that are going on in our life. By the way, we've said this before, but for some of us, we need to resign as seeking to be the manager of the universe because we're not. Only God is the manager. Only God is sovereign over all of these things, right? We think that he can handle our eternity, but we're not so sure that he has our back right now. 
Maybe we won't say that, but let's be honest. Many of us, we kind of live like that. We live in anxiety. We live in fear. We're overwhelmed with that. Have you ever thought about this, that our spiritual enemy, Satan, wants to keep you in a place of anxiety? It's one of his tactics is to keep you fearful, to keep you in a place where you are worried, where you lack peace, where you lack joy. Why do you think he wants to keep us in that place or tempt us to, to, to be fearful all the time? It's because of this, that you and I, we're called as Christians to be the light of the world. We're called to be, right, the one that's modeling what Jesus Christ is like in our life. We're even little Christ is what we're called. And if, if we are always paralyzed in fear and in, 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 in this sense of lack of peace, what kind of, a, what kind of a picture of Jesus are we giving to those who are around us? This series we're hoping is going to empower you to find comfort if you have been lacking comfort. It's going to empower you to, to have some peace in your life that God desires for you to have. God wants you to be at peace. It doesn't mean all the the problems in your life are going to go away. You're still going to have problems that you're going to, to struggle with, right? In fact, what did Jesus tell us? Jesus said, in this world, you will have, what did he say? Trouble. You're going to have troubles right now. This world's broken. This world is filled with chaos, this world is filled with, with a lot of, of hurt and disappointment, right? Now, this past week, we saw a new president elected, and, and I could just ask you this. I've been asking it over the last several weeks. Are you glad the election is over? Yes, right? Praise God for that. Despite whoever you, you voted for, right, you're probably still glad that it's passed. But what have we been saying over the last several weeks? As a church, we're not, we're not called to place all of our hope, right, in, in a politician or a flawed person or a pastor who's also flawed. There's only one Savior, and His name is Jesus. Amen, right? No politician is going to save our nation. Now, since we have a new president that is elected, I'm, I'm assuming that everyone's problems were solved on Wednesday, right? Because we have a new president, our country now is all in perfect harmony, Right? And we're all getting along beautifully in this country now. There's perfect unity. In our, is that your experience? All your problems went away? All your personal... No, right? right? Someone say, I wish. Yeah, we do too. And, but that's, that's not the case. There's only one Savior, and His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, and He's the one that we turn to in our time of trouble when we need comfort, right? We're not going to find it in some of these other places. And so we really want to really equip you to know how to look and to find this whenever you're feeling that sense of being overwhelmed. This series I'm excited about because it's not just a series for you. I love just to be real with you. Over the last month, I've just I've struggled with some just some things that have had me kind of fearful. I've been I've felt overwhelmed at times. I felt you know like my joy had kind of even been sapped from me, and even my peace had been robbed. And I kind of had my eye off of off of the prize of following Christ. And I can get consumed and overwhelmed just like anybody else. And you know what, the Lord, as I was preparing this for you, the Lord was really saying, "Hey Bart, this is as much for you as anybody else." 
And I'm excited about going through this series with you, understanding this more. King David wrote this psalm. He wrote this psalm, and it's a declaration of who God is and was to him personally. And again, you're probably familiar with it, whether you're a believer or not. Many just view it as a beautiful, you know, just kind of a beautiful passage of Scripture or a great work of literature, and it indeed is that. But it's so much more than that. There's such a depth to it that I want us to understand. We need to know that David was writing this as a declaration of his faith in God who had always taken care of him, was taking care of him at that moment, and would in his future. He's thought to be an older king now. He's been through a lot in his life. He's gone through a lot of difficulty and a lot of, a lot of suffering at certain times, sometimes because of poor decisions that he made. He's in a place, though, right now as an older king in a place of security. He's in a place of certainly great wealth, okay? And he had plenty of money. He's got armed men around him all of the time. And so, but what he's doing is he's writing this is he is reflecting back on all the times of struggle. And isn't that some of, the, some of the moments where God does his greatest work in our lives is when we go through difficulty, when we go through struggle. He's reflecting back upon the times where he was overwhelmed, times where he was stressed out, times when he went through real hardship in his life. He has vivid memories of being a lonely fugitive, Many of you know David's story, and you know that he was anointed as the next king over Israel. Saul was already the king, and you know that, that, that David was gaining prominence among people because he was anointed by God. And, but Saul becomes just enraged with hatred and jealousy. King Saul wants to kill David, so David is on the run. And he's very lonely, and he wonders who he can trust at certain times in his life. Is this guy going to turn on me? Well, this guy betrayed me, and this guy, and he feels all by himself and alone. Can you imagine how scary and out of control that must have have been, knowing that there was a, a very powerful king that wanted to kill him? I mean, think about that. He also had, had a deep wound of betrayal that he was, had experienced in his life. His own son, now think about the dysfunction of this family. His own son, Absalom, his own son wanted to, to usurp his authority and, and certainly did at one point. His own son wanted to have him killed. I mean, that's some messed up family relationships right there, right? And, and David is, is feeling that wound. He's been through chaos in his, to, in his life. He's been through dysfunction in his life. But he writes this psalm testifying how he got through those chaotic times. What was it that, that he held on to in those times? What was it that pulled him through and gave him comfort in the middle of the difficulty? David is saying something like this in this psalm. I don't have to fear anything. I don't have to be fearful of the situation. I don't have to be fearful of a a man, of a person. I don't have to be fearful because, and this is what he's going to say, because this is who my God is. And so this is where we start. He's testifying about the source of strength and stability that he would have in his life in the middle of the chaos. Where does David start? And when you're feeling like things are chaotic and you're feeling like things are overwhelming you, where should you start? Look at where David starts. 
David begins, if you're taking notes, write this down, by declaring who God is to him first. And that's where you start. That's where I should start. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, I've got to shift my mind from being overwhelmed and seeing the obstacles and seeing the difficulties and being overwhelmed by that. I have to train my mind to think about who my God is. I have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. David starts with the Lord. Look at what he says. He says in verse 1, by the way, verse 1 is a summary of all five or all six of the verses. It's kind of a summary verse, and then we're going to break down what the rest of it means uh, these coming weeks, okay? But David starts with the Lord. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He starts with the Lord. Now, whenever you're looking at your Bible, either on your Bible or in your Bible or or on your device, you're reading the Bible from your, you know, your iPad or whatever you read it from. When you see in the scripture, you see the word Lord and it's all capital letters. It's that way for a reason. That's not a typo. When you see the word Lord, it's not just any Lord. When you see the word Lord in all caps, that is the word for Jehovah. No other little Lord, okay? When you see all caps, that's Yahweh. That's Jehovah. David starts with Yahweh. He starts with Jehovah, declaring who he is, right? This, and, and that means something. You got to know this, okay? Whenever you see the word Lord like that, it's Jehovah. It's a name that is so holy, It's a name that is so revered and was so revered by the Jews, they wouldn't even write the name out. They would only just write a portion of the name. When they would speak it, um, they wouldn't even say Yahweh or Jehovah. In fact, only the high priest was permitted to say the actual name one time a year uh, at Yom Kippur on the Day of Atonement. They wouldn't even say Yahweh. They would, they would refer to God as what they would say was Hashem. In fact, our good friends at Sar Shalom, they often will say Hashem. You know what Hashem means? The name. They won't even say. There's such a, a reverence for that name, right? Do we reverence God's name like that? Well, this is where David is starting. He's saying Yahweh, the Lord. The Lord of all lords, the God of the universe. He starts with the name of Yahweh. And when you're feeling overwhelmed, that's where we are to start. We go back, not to the problem. We go to God. We say, the Lord. What he's saying is this great and mighty God who is above everything else, who is over the universe and all of the billions of galaxies that make up our universe. He created all of that. That very Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. My shepherd. That's Jehovah Rohi. My shepherd. Jehovah, my shepherd. Now this, you need to know, was a scandalous thing for David to say. Number one, because shepherds were known in this culture as being kind of a low person on the totem pole in the pecking order of society. But David is not saying it in that sense of a lack of reverence for God. What David is trying to convey to us is the intimacy that this great God has with every one of us. The closeness that God desires to have with you is a shepherd-like closeness. Jehovah is my 
my shepherd. It's also scandalous because God was not viewed in, in a personal kind of relationship kind of way. He had more of a relationship with Israel, right? It was more of a relationship with Israel. And, and, and God was separate. God was, was in the holy of holies, separated from, from the rest of mankind. We were his enemies because of our sin. Christ had not come yet to pay for our sin. So David is, is remembering back to the, to the lowly position that he was in as a shepherd that he had long before he came, became king over Israel. He was a shepherd. He was close to sheep. He knew each of them and their characteristics. He knew their names, right? He probably named them as he was with them and, and understood what, what each of them would do. What David is saying here is, this God who is over everything is close to me. Don't you love that? This is a God who's close to me. He makes this declaration of faith. He is my shepherd. He is my source of comfort. He's the one that tends to my soul. He tends to my soul and to my every need. Now, here's how God really spoke to me in this, and I trust that he'll speak to you in the same kind of way, is that we have a tendency oftentimes when our life gets chaotic or whenever we're struggling or when we're feeling overwhelmed or when we're worried about something, we have a tendency, if you're anything like me, and I know that, that you probably are, we have a tendency to seek to find our comfort in something else. We have a tendency when things get chaotic to seek to find another source of comfort. So here's a question for you that I had to ask myself. Who is my shepherd? For some of you, it may be, what is your shepherd? Where do you go whenever you're stressed out? What do you turn to whenever you're overwhelmed and you're feeling fearful? What do you turn to? Who is your shepherd? What is your shepherd? Some of you, maybe you look to your security and your comfort. It's found in finances. And, and you know, and it, when those are out of whack, then you lose, you lose your peace completely. And you, it, it, we have a tendency. It's easy to become materialistic, right? All of us could struggle with this. We could look to our security and our comfort to be found and maybe if we had more money. Some of us, maybe it's that we are our own shepherd and we try to corral all of the problems that are in our life, right? And what is this, how does this manifest in our lives? Well, it turns us into control freaks. Have any control freaks? Yeah. Why do we turn into control freaks? We're trying to manage everything. We're trying to manage everything, and, 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 and that's what we would say brings us comfort. And then whenever things are unmanageable or they get out of whack in our life, we have a complete lack of peace. And I can find myself doing this because I can be a control freak, right? And then, and then I can really get controlling over certain areas that I know I can control, making everyone else miserable around me in that certain time, right? Some of us... We might look to another person. Maybe it's your tendency to look to a person to fulfill and satisfy all of your needs, right? And when they don't do that, you're disappointed. What does this turn us into? This can turn us into and manifest itself in codependency in our lives. And we try to find our source of strength in another person. It's not that other people, God can't use them to be a a one source of comfort in our life, but they're not the ultimate source. 
They are going to disappoint you at some point in your life. They are going to let you down. They're not going to be able to satisfy you. Some of us, we may try to find our escape or our comfort through our perfectionism in our jobs. And, and you know, and, and so we want to perform. It, it turns us into performance-oriented people. And, you know, we become perfectionists. But then when things aren't perfect, our peace evaporates. It's gone. Some of us, we look to outside substances for our comfort. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about here. We look to food. Am I talking to some right people today? That's me. This is one I relate to, right? I can look to food. We even have, what do we call food sometimes? What kind of food? Comfort food right? Why do we look to those things? It brings us a short-term comfort. It, it, it helps for just a second, maybe. It helps us forget about our problems. Some of us, we might not look to food. We might look to another outside substance. Maybe you look to alcohol. Maybe you look to uh, drugs or pain meds or whatever, and you're hooked on those, right? And we've said this before, that what ends up happening is we look to these outside substances or these outside things, and it's almost like we turn them into gods in our life. How do we do that? We turn them into gods because we're looking to them to satisfy something that only God can satisfy in our life. It really is a form of idolatry. My love for food has been a form of idolatry in my life where I have struggled with that and I find myself turning to that when I get stressed out. I've, I've confessed before, yeah, I can be a stress eater, right? I mean, I, I hate to say this, but there have probably been times where I would say fried pickles is my shepherd, okay? But it doesn't quite roll off the tongue as beautifully as the Lord is my shepherd, Right? For some of you, it would be escaping through binge-watching Netflix is my shepherd. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying, right? We can look to something. So here's where, where you have to start today. You see where David starts. He starts with the Lord. Where you and I need to start, though, is, is there something else that I'm looking to as my shepherd? What is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd, right? What is it for you? Where do you turn to when things get chaotic? When you start feeling overwhelmed, watch yourself this week and see what your tendency is. You might even start trying to control. Well, then you know you've got a control issue and that you are your shepherd. And and the Lord said this. What did he say? You shall have no other gods before me. That's what he's talking about there. No other gods. The Lord, Jehovah, he is to be our shepherd. David's saying, you're the one throughout the history of my life, Lord, throughout the history of my life and all the chaotic things I've gone through in my life. You are the one who has only been able to satisfy me. You're the only one that I've been able to find true comfort in. There is no other substance that will last eternally. There is no other person There's nothing else. And again, interesting thing about most of those things is they're not bad in and of themselves, except for the ones that are illegal, right? 
But many of us, we still can turn them into gods, and that's when they become sin in our life, when we turn to those, when we make them into gods in our life. So it's, it, here's what David is going to say. Understanding that God is his true shepherd, we need to understand some characteristics of what a shepherd is like. This is important. You don't want to just say the Lord is my shepherd and not know what you're declaring there. Our shepherd's characteristics are very clear. David would understand this because he was a shepherd. He, he would know this, that our shepherd or a shepherd has to be very patient. Write that down. Our shepherd is very patient with us. He's patient with us. The Lord is our shepherd, which would mean this. He's patient. Now, I've got good news for you and bad news for you. The good news is that the Lord is our shepherd and all God's people said amen. The bad news is this. The implication would mean we are his sheep. Now, you say, why is that bad news? David understood sheep. To understand the nature of a shepherd, you also have to understand the nature of yourself. You have to understand the nature of sheep. That's why David uses this analogy. David understood that the Lord is the shepherd, and David, even in his place of being a king, is still saying, and I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. But what do we know about sheep? What we do know is this, is that they're one of the dumbest animals that exist. Doesn't that bless your heart today? You didn't know that I was going to bless you like that today, right? I'm a giver. What can I say? <laughs> David was making a declaration of who God is, but David is also making an admission of who he is as a sheep. Understanding that nature, right? He was a shepherd. What do we know about sheep? Right, what do we know about some characteristics of sheep? Now, um, interestingly enough, whenever I was a youth pastor just starting in the ministry, one of the churches that I was a youth pastor at was a church in Rochelle, Texas. You probably don't know where that is because it's outside of Brady, Texas, which means you probably don't even know where Brady, Texas is, right? But it's central Texas. It's close to Brownwood, Texas. Is that better for you? All right. It was one of the smallest little towns, and I was a, I was a youth pastor in a small little church there of a rural community that was filled with ranchers. And one of the guys who was a rancher that I would go and stay with his family on the weekends to, to minister to the kids in that community, uh, he was a rancher, and he mostly worked with cattle. But one time I heard him do th this teaching with all these rural kids, okay? He did this teaching on what sheep were like. And, and I, I never really got sheep, all right? I'm, I'm not an ag kind of person, but he was and he is. And I heard him say how stupid sheep were was one thing. And I also heard him say how much he hated working with sheep. He said, they're the stupidest animals. I hate working with them. But he started teaching these kids. He understood from a, from a, a shepherd or a, he was a cowboy really, but understood from a rancher's perspective what sheep were like. David understood this. Well, what are sheep like? Sheep are prone to wander and get lost, he would say. They easily get lost. You really have to corral them and keep them in, right? Even Isaiah chapter 53 in the Old Testament, what does it say about us as sheep? All we, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us. We're all prone to wander. We're all prone to wander away from the flock. We're all prone to make mistakes. We, we kind of, you know, make some decisions that are bad decisions, okay? And uh, it's a, a bad joke, all right? And uh, we're prone to get lost. Some of you would identify with this today. You've made some bad decisions and you're kind of wandered off from the flock. You've wandered away 
And that's what sheep do. That's why shepherd's work has to be patient work because they're so prone to do this. Sheep are also defenseless. He would, he would say, these sheep are defenseless. They're easy prey for predators. And he would talk about how, how they would lose sheep, right? And you can think about almost every animal has some sense of defense mechanism, right? I mean, they have either fangs or claws or, or skunk has the smell, right? I mean, you, you've got all kinds of, 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 of ways that they can defend themselves. But sheep, when you look at them, they're, they're kind of defenseless, right? This is what we see when we see them, right? It is an awe, but here's the deal. Predators don't go awe. They go awe, right? They, they, that's what you get. They need, they need protection. That's what sheep need. They're defenseless, right? Think of how weak we are. Think about how when we try to live life on our own, out from under the protection of the good shepherd, how prone we are to attack from the roaring lion, right? He's a predator. He looks for the one that gets isolated. He looks for the one that wanders off. He would say this, that sheep are stubborn. That's why it has to be a patient uh, kind of characteristic of a shepherd. Sheep are stubborn. He would say that, that a sheep would, would get caught through like, or in a fence or, or would get caught trying to go through a tight place and was so dumb he wouldn't know how to back out right? Or couldn't do that. And they would just keep trying to go through, forward. They're stubborn is what he said, all right? How many of you, how many of you, you can be stubborn, right? And we just keep doing the same thing and we're stubborn and we won't change our ways, right? How many of you know someone that's stubborn? Don't point that you better watch yourself. But, but, you know, this is how we often are. Here's another thing that he said. He said, I hate working with sheep. They are filthy. They're messy. They get dirty, right? Now, you said, well, that one was real cute, and that one had been power washed, guarantee, okay? <laughs> but as, they're, as, they, as the wool grows and, and they're going through, you know, they get stinky and filthy and dirty, and right? Other animals... They kind of have a way of cleaning themselves. I mean, cats, what do they do? They, you know, they do that thing. They do that other thing where they lift their back leg up. I'm not going to do that, right? That's ungodly and that's unholy. Cats, I'm not a cat person. That tells you right now, cats are unholy, okay, that they can do that. But, but you know, they, they take care of themselves. They get, sheep have to be sheared. They have to be cleaned right? When the wool gets thick, it gets dirt and mud and grime. They're nappy. They smell. That's what he would say about them. Do we ever get caught up in the mess in our life and the next thing you know, we're just in the filth, right? We wander off. We get filthy. We can't clean ourselves up adequately. We need someone to clean us. Only Jesus can do that. He washes us with his blood, right? Sheep are fearful. They're fearful. They're easily panicked. They're timid. They stampede. Why? Because they realize that they're at the bottom of the food chain. Only grass is lower. Have you thought about that? And, and, and they're not fearful of grass because it doesn't have anything to eat them back, right? And so they're, they're vulnerable to mob psychology. They will, they will go with the mob. Think of how... I mean, God has this analogy in here for a reason. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. When one gets going in one direction, others follow them. It often means running off a cliff together. They, they'll do this. They stampede. I mean, there's so many other things we could say we need to move on, but they're dependent, right? They depend upon someone to take care of them. They need a leader if they're going to get anywhere. David says this, the Lord, the God of this universe, he is patient with me. He is my patient shepherd. I mean, think about when David strayed. Think about when David, you know, made his mistake and his sin. And the Lord was still his shepherd in that time. That's his point. You still shepherded me. You still corrected me. You still, you didn't let me go. You came after me. You pursued me. He's patient with me. Here's something else we know about the character of the shepherd. Write this down. Our shepherd, and I love this. Our shepherd is a present tense shepherd. The Lord, what's the next word? Is. Right now. The Lord is my shepherd right now. David is saying, you are a present God. I don't know about you, but I need a God right now. Amen? Not just, I'm thankful for everything that God has done in my past, and we never forget that. I'm thankful to know that God has my future in his hands, but I know that whenever I'm in the storm, what does he say? I am with you. I'm a present God. I'm not a has-been God. I'm not a someday God. I'm a right-now God. God wants you to to know that He is there with you. He's not passively sitting by. Even if you can't feel Him right now, even if you can't see Him at work, your declaration of faith that David had in God is that, God, you're still actively working in my life, bringing about things in ways that are higher than my way of understanding because you are Jehovah. You are Yahweh. Your ways are higher than me. David is saying, you're a present tense God. You're with me right now. Write this down. David is also saying this. He is a very, our shepherd is a very personal God. He's personal. He's not just for the group only. The Lord is, what's the next word? My, my shepherd. He's not just the shepherd over Israel. And he is. He's not just a shepherd over EBC. And he is the chief shepherd. I'm not, he is. He is for the group. But this is the beautiful part of this, and this could be considered scandalous as he's writing this. He's saying the Lord is my personal shepherd. He is intimately close to me. He knows my name. He's personal. God, I know that you love the group, but that, that doesn't pull me through the chaos. I know you love the group, but what I need to know is that you're personal. You're in a relationship with me. Have you ever considered this? Now, I don't want to like cause you to like doubt your salvation. That's not the point of this, okay? But have you ever considered the thought that maybe the reason there is never any peace in your life is because for some, number one, you've never come into a personal relationship with the good shepherd. It's never been your personal faith. Maybe it's just the faith of your parents, or the faith of another group of people. Or maybe you're just a church member and your name's on a roll. But you've never been in a personal relationship where you believed in faith for Christ to be your Savior and your Messiah as the one that saves you. Secondly, it could be that you don't feel peace or you lose your peace frequently because you, you've not realized that the God of the universe dwells inside of you and offers you that power to exist in a personal relationship with Him. 
David is saying he's not just the God of Israel, he's my God. He's my personal, intimate God that I am in relationship with. He's not aloof. He's not distant. he's, He's not just thinking only of the group. He thinks of me and he knows my name. He's a good shepherd. And it says, not only does he know my name, it says the sheep know his voice. They know his voice. Here's the final thing. Write this one down. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. What does it say next? I shall not want. Our shepherd is our sole provider. S-O-L-E, and that he provides everything that we need. You could even say it this way, though. Not only our sole provider that way, he is also our soul provider, S-O-U-L, because as we'll see next week, he restores my, what? My soul. He provides me peace. He makes me lie down in green, green pasture. He, he makes me lie down because many of us, we won't lie down. He leads me beside still waters. That speaks of peace. We're going to talk about that next week, how to understand the Lord is our peace Our shepherd is our sole provider. This actually better translates. It's more closely translated this way. I lack nothing. I am content because the Lord is my shepherd. I'm fully contented. I'm fully satisfied. David is saying as an older man now, I've looked back over my life and have discovered this that the only thing that will satisfy and can adequately satisfy me is not all the outside substances, not all the outside things that I've turned to at certain times in my life. The only thing that satisfies and comforts me and brings me comfort in chaos is the Lord as my provider. He gives me what I need. He's always been more than enough, right? This is what David is saying here. I am content In you and you alone, O Lord. I really had to ask myself this week, am I contented in the Lord? Is he enough? Is Jesus enough? We know the truth that he is, but am I living my life in a way that would be a declaration that I say he is enough? So back to whatever it is that was troubling you at the beginning of the talk today, if you, if you desire to find comfort, it starts with a choice that you make. Your circumstance might not change, but your mindset can. The way you look at your circumstance can. Jesus gives an invitation to all of us to bring the chaos that is in our life to Him. And to invite Him and declare Him as our shepherd. I want to just invite you into prayer with me. At this moment, in the Gospel of John, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. See, there's another thing about the shepherd is that he will lay his life down for his sheep. A good shepherd will. Not a hireling, but one that loves the sheep. One that's in relationship That is exactly what Jesus did for you and for me when he went to the cross. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in faith to be your Savior, you can come to him today and trust in him. 
You can't clean yourself up. Neither can I. We can never be good enough. Right now, you can call on him to save you and he will save you by what is called his grace. And we get something that we don't deserve. You might just pray something like this and say, Dear Jesus, I want to invite you. And I declare this in faith in who you are. I invite you in faith to be my Savior. I invite you to take up residence in my life. I need you and I want you to save me. Take my sin, Lord, and wash it with your blood. Cleanse me. And will you give me a new life and eternal life? And for some of you, you're already a Christian, but the question you should ask is, have I been living as the Lord is my shepherd? Or are you turning to everything else? Like I said, we all can have a tendency to do. Maybe this today would just be kind of a wake up for you. And you would bring whatever that is to the Lord. You may need to ask for forgiveness today. Just say, Lord, I've turned to these other things ahead of you. I've tried to control these things myself. Lord, I bring these things to you. You are my shepherd. Maybe you've been a sheep that has been wandering or you've strayed. And you need to come home. Jesus is inviting us today to bring those things to him and to allow him live this out of being our shepherd. Lord, we are so grateful for the practicality of your word, the relevance in our life. We declare, Lord, as a group today, we declare that we love you and that we need you. Lord, we want to live as people with your peace because our world is quite chaotic and it seems like it's only getting worse. And Lord, this world needs to see Christ alive in his people you help us to to take your word and Lord to allow it to anchor our souls in these turbulent times and it's in the name of Jesus we pray